How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Okay. It's been a busy day. Thanks, y'all, for joining today for episode 14. Um, we've been having such good conversations with y'all and with each other about just our healing healing journeys. And the, that, that's what I think has been neat with the podcast is these conversations are just having us go a little bit deeper and they're helping guide our next episodes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're still sticking to our five pillars. However, there's this there's more of this organic thing happening where based on an episode, it just provokes all these other ideas. Yeah. So, so from that, we wanted to talk about the power of language today. And we had a pretty cool conversation about triggers. And that was something that came up on our last episode around the concept of triggering. We're going to go into that and explore the topic of of just language and how it's important to be mindful of what we say about Mm. ourselves, what we say about our stories and and how we're healing and how that can really dictate that journey and how we move forward. So let's let's go. Let's jump in. Where did that word come from? Why is it used so much in our in our culture and in our society. Yeah, it is fascinating to think about what key phrases or or words really just kind of take hold and get tossed around left and right. And this is definitely one of them. And I think, too, a lot of people are looking into their their crap, you know. And so yeah. this word, you know, for us, this kind of sparks some curiosity of like, okay, where did this word come from and and how has it evolved to where it is is something that we we say more frequently? Yeah. And a lot of different reasons. Okay, so a trigger, you know, let's let's get into the definition of that and uh Well maybe it's not even just the word trigger, that's the trigger word in the discussion, but it's really just about impact the impact of language in general mm-hmm. um, and the kind of words we use. Body, body, mind, and spirit, you know, the words that we use, are they, do they mean what we think they mean? Mm-hmm. Are we just throwing words around that we heard that we don't really understand? Mm-hmm. Well, so we were reading an article about just the evolution of, of the word trigger and where that came from. And it was mainly rooted in the psych- psychology wor- world. It was, um, this article was talking about how with a lot of clients with PTSD, especially in the Vietnam era, that word trigger was kind of coined around that time. I'm sure it was used before and and all of that, but it was really starting to be used then, which was a real, like, it was like a medical term. Yeah, it was, it was a psychological or clinical word that was used to focus on traumatic events or, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of emotional or psychological event that you have some sort of response to. Mm-hmm. And for me, it almost always seems like a negative thing mm-hmm. that triggered me almost never comes ap- across as a positive response. 
like, are you saying that there's something on the other side of that versus it being a negative thing? Like, it can be a positive thing? Well, when have you ever heard anybody say, that triggered me and I was happy? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I've never heard that. <laughs> um, so maybe we have a friend named Jerry who's a clinical psychologist. We could ask him. I mean, I use it. I mean, it, it is, it's a hype word too. Like it is, it went from being used in this kind of clinical setting to it, it becomes more, it's just more a part of everyday language. It can also become an excuse. I mean. What do you mean? That triggered me, so I don't really want to deal with that. Mm. Oh, that triggers me. Oh, I, yeah, I can't do, I can't go there. That triggers me. I can't go have a hard mm. conversation because it triggers me. And yeah. I'm, I'm being a little bit pointed there, but sometimes we use those words as ways to deflect or avoid dealing with our stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and there's a, I think there's a time and place to use the, the phrase, right? And, and where it's, it's shedding light on what is, what is actually going on well, with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, a good, the good, a good thing about it is it has um, broadened the acceptance of our mental health issues. You that's know, true. And it's made people more aware of it. So in that way, it's been good. When we say I'm triggered, it doesn't really tell the other person what you're feeling. Like it doesn't, it's not really an emotion. It's a, it's a response, right? It's like a a reaction to something. So there's not a lot of clarity in it. You have to be willing to go into, it can't just be like, I'm triggered, period. Like you said, where then you don't talk about it. So we talk about triggering, but, you know, and we, we don't just want to stay on the word trigger. There's uh, There are other words that can be used, which was your point. Yeah. Well, real quick, let's paint that visual. Cause I think, I think that's also an important to <laughs> Come on. Okay. This is an important part. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. So, because I'm a, I'm a visual person, and so... And? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so yeah. So, paint, paint another picture. Okay, so, with the word trigger, the image I have is obviously of a gun, and uh, you can look at it from a lot of different ways, but... Oftentimes, it's the people outside of you and the whole world, they basically are the finger, and they're the finger that pulls the trigger, and we're the trigger. So when I think of it in that kind of context, it it feels like I'm giving my power away to somebody else, and that doesn't feel like, that doesn't feel good. Um, it, it feels a little unsettling in, in the sense of, like, I'm just this passive, stagnant. What's an example of that? I mean, if, if I'm just—if if it's the image of you just walk into a room and all of, you know anybody can pull the trigger on you at any point, you don't have any control. So if I'm getting triggered by all these people, which can happen, and that's a real thing— we have to learn, though, how, how do we regain our, our power in that and not yeah. put the onus or the responsibility on someone else having to control 
the, the trigger. Does that make sense? When it happens, how do you write it? And then when I say write, it's in terms of a ship's ballast in a storm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it will write itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so other influences can come in and mess up your yeah. your balance, creating tools, a mindset, outlook, perspective, whatever word you want to use that helps you write that. Mm-hmm. Because you can't necessarily control the the stimulus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think that's where it's important then to have the distinction of like, is this a trigger in the sense that I'm responding because I have PTSD about something, or this is it, or is this a trigger because I'm offended right now by what someone's saying? Like, mm-hmm. I I think it's very again the power there is power in words. So when we're using the word trigger can we get clear with ourselves? And and I'm saying that to me, like, can I get clear with myself? Like, is this an actual trigger from the, from my trauma or is this a trigger in the sense that I'm, my emotions are kind of going out of whack and, and I need to, because someone said something that is offensive or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I think so. It's, um, I think I do. I'm just saying that it's important. Like, I think when we're talking about, what we're talking about with this whole concept of the gun, it's like that makes sense when we're, if yeah. I'm talking to my therapist about the, my trauma and I'm getting triggered versus when I'm just out and about and someone says something and I'm offended, you know, am I offended or am I triggered? Which one is it? Well, you know maybe I mean? they're the same. I think it's different though. Okay, so how? <laughs> of I think what we were talking about in the beginning of it being a medical term used in psychology when you're actually talking about post-traumatic stress disorder versus someone said something I didn't like and I'm triggered. Mm. Like that to me is different. Well, we have a lot of young people or people coming back from you know, armed conflict, wars, who saw atrocities and saw trauma and drama and violence. And they come home and everything goes back to normal. But they actually do get triggered by noises and sounds and That's true. smells and things like that. I don't know how that, how does that relate to being offended or does it? You know, those kind of... Mm-hmm. Like like after mom's cardiac arrest, the, the, the panic attack that I'm talking about, the things that would trigger me were I never knew exactly what it was, but I could feel it coming. Mm-hmm. But I never, it was random, it felt. But something would would cause me to have those panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling out of control, feeling like I didn't have a way out of situations. And it was reflected back on the night that mom had her cardiac arrest when I watched her basically die in front of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know yeah. if we're on the right track with that or not. Well, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think, again, I think what, I, what I'm trying to say is that that word can have a lot of meanings. Yes. And, and how do we get clear with ourselves of what do we mean when we say we're being triggered? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And you might not have to, you might not know what exactly is causing the trigger, but are you just angry? Are you offended or are you actually triggered? And, you do you, and, and does a person always have the capacity to know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You well, know. yeah, you have to, I think, yeah, that's where you have to be curious to, you know, enough to go into it. Or, you know, some people who've been on anti-anxiety medications, some of those drugs create or, or exacerbate the whole idea of triggering. They make it worse. Mm-hmm. We have we have family friends who it, have been through that and been on those drugs for years, and mm-hmm. it's actually worse. Or I mean, weren't you on? Didn't you try? Some I, I of did for a little while, but it, but the thing that helped me the most was talking about it. My my doctor said I can drug you, or I can. Uh, set you up to where you can talk about this and you mm-hmm. need to talk about it. Um, so I didn't have actual therapy, which I probably should have had, but every chance I got, I told that story mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm an external processor anyway. So I didn't really hold a lot of that in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it helped. I mean, mm-hmm. I stopped having those panic attacks after about two years, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they were awful. Yeah. So I get the idea of being triggered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I went through a pretty traumatic event in college, and I'm not going to get into the details, but it, you know, was sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. And so there were th- there were times where something would happen, and I would freeze and, and couldn't do anything, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. I, I get that, too. I get I get that. Well— yeah, and those, those things, some of that I've walked, you know, your mother and I have walked with you through some of that, but some of it, I think a key thing to remember with those, with triggers and the result of triggers is sometimes it's not an instantaneous fix around that. Sometimes it just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, so we were talking about, okay, so we're using that word trigger. What's some other language? That you could use mm-hmm. around these traumatic or dramatic events. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. So when we were discussing this, you and I both sort of—I don't know who said it—but it was it was this concept of striking a chord mm-hmm. versus being triggered. So for me, when I, when I think of something striking a chord, I think of an instrument. You know, I, I, I visualize a guitar. I mean, I'm looking at one right now and the the strings vibrating and the different sounds that, you know, they create and, and how that sound and frequency goes out into the ethers. You know, I, I just had an image in my mind of throwing a rock into water and seeing the ripple mm-hmm. and that go out. And and so just the to me, it's like this this softer approach and this more um, harmonious, melodic uh, way of like, it's more, it's this more like melodic and harmonious way of, of going to down the path of like, okay, why am I being triggered or why is this striking a chord? Well, you may not be, you may not be able to start there because when I think of a trigger and you talked about a gun, it's a one way thing. You pull the trigger, the bullet goes out, it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. It's a 
it's very linear mm -hmm. with striking a chord there's resonance there's dissonance there's rest mm -hmm. you know there's all kinds of musical terms you could throw on that but another one would be as things work in concert you have when you use that kind of language or you can get to using that language maybe it helps us discern and dial in on what it is actually that is causing the resonance or the dissonance because sometimes those triggers, quote unquote, can actually be good things. When you use that different kind of language, sometimes it brings a little more clarity, it seems. Which language? That, uh, that really resonated with me. That really caused me to, that threw me off. Whatever you said threw me off. It, it's causing dissonance. Or I'm, I know I want to do this in my life, but I'm doing this. And I've got dissonance about that. Mm -hmm. Instead of I got triggered and now I no longer can do what I wanted to do or mm -hmm. I don't have any options. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're looking at it. We're obviously looking at it from our perspective. Right. So right. other people would have obviously have different opinions and ideas about it. Yeah. And I think I think really, again, it's not about don't use this word or, or use this. I think it's about... You know, when I think of my own healing journey, a lot of what I started to become aware of was was my view on of of whatever it is I was I was in the process of healing and how I spoke about that, mm -hmm. how I spoke about my past, how yeah. I spoke about y'all and how you raised me. You know, these stories that I would tell about myself. Um, and, and that came up a lot in therapy. I think therapy really helped me to to start to gain awareness of my word choices. Yeah. And really, really start to pay attention to, again, the, your words are, you know, it's a language is a, is a window into a whole world of, of just how you're viewing something you know and it can mm -hmm. it can limit us um or it can propel us yeah and sometimes you don't have the words to articulate what you're feeling so something that my therapist and i would work on was the language i used or about myself mm -hmm. so like i'm messed up i'm broken i you know i i suck all all the things that i was mm -hmm. feeding you know, the negativity. Um, but instead of saying like, I'm, I'm broken and I messed up was like, I'm in the process of healing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm working on, on this, you know, so right. shifting from limiting beliefs and words to words that empowered you and were hopeful and gave you kind of a, a runway for healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, this, this, Actually, my friend brought this up um, recently of, you know, we often say, like, we're fixing the broken versus healing the wounded. Like, if we approached it from the latter of healing the wounded, that to me, that evokes more compassion mm -hmm. for myself and for whomever else might be in, in that space of being wounded. You know, I think of a wounded animal. And we touched on that, I think. Was it last episode where we were talking about 
what's wrong with you versus mm -hmm. what happened to you. Mm -hmm. You know, like what what happened to me that I act this way about other people? Simple words like saying instead of asking a person why they did something, asking them what they did and what their process around the decision they made was. That's pretty big in coach the coaching world, right? Yeah. Why at the beginning of a question tends to put people on the defense. Mm -hmm. And so finding ways to keep that flow and that conversation safe and open is important. And, it's, and a lot of it's just in the way you word things. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, 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 in as far as I remember being in the corporate environment, I, did, I was in there for over 25 years. There were a lot of times you'd be in these environments where people would talk about you in your performance review and they'd say stuff like, you need to try harder or he's doing okay, but it could be a lot worse. And that really diminishes a person. Mm -hmm. So a shift in awareness can really help with the way we talk about ourselves and talk about others or talk with others. Mm -hmm. What are ways that we empower people? What are ways that we encourage people? Mm -hmm see the best in them, mm -hmm. you know, inspire people, those kinds of ways. And it's a lot, and most of the time it's with words. Mm -hmm. And and not just other people, but ourselves. How do we inspire mm -hmm. ourselves? Like, you know, we talked about this, the last episode too, with blind spots and, and biases. It's like, we don't have to look at those as, as bad and as wrong and we're messed up. We can look at them, like you said, as opportunities just using the right words and about yourselves. Coaching has helped me as I've coached others. I've had I've had more awareness about my own growth opportunities. Mm. For example, listening more effectively, um, limiting beliefs, what they are, how to find it, how to notice those, or when you're listening to somebody, what are they saying? What are they not saying? Can help you discover those opportunities for growth. And most of the time it comes through conversation, either self-talk or with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not always, but most of the time. Okay, so what what are some examples of how we can isolate ourselves or other people when we're talking about our feelings? Like what are what are some phrases or things that we say or that we can pay attention to. I did this, you know, or as opposed to you did that. Mm, you know, yeah. uh, that's big and nonviolent communication yeah, of yeah. of and and a ton of other areas of just the yeah the the I or me versus you, and even yeah. like even like you them, you know, versus us and we. Feels you know? like it's yeah. Feel, when you say you, in its tone also, it's not just the word, it's how you say the word. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times that can be limiting or demeaning or accusatory or placing blame. Mm -hmm. And it's really just, it's simple, but it's not always easy. Because the simplicity of it is, okay, just change the way you talk. Mm -hmm. That's easy to say, but then you have to, when you're going out about trying to change habits, you might have developed for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you've 
got to unlearn and those neuron paths have to change, yeah. you know, so it takes time. So another important thing to remember on the fly as we're doing this is, is learning how to give yourself grace and be patient and see them as, see these awareness opportunities as places where you can grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, another word there, you know, another area where that, you know, it's uh, yeah, but, or no, but, Instead of that, instead of saying no, but, or yeah, but, you can say yes, and, mm -hmm. or yeah. just and. Yeah, yeah. Those, that's just a simple shift in the way you say it. Yeah, that came up with Darby and I in conversation, and, and it actually made me think of when I did an improv class. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the principles is yes, and, is, is when you say yes, and, it, it's an invitation, it's a door. It's constructive. Mm -hmm. It's a door that allows you to keep going and let let your imagination keep flowing. Whereas, yeah. whereas no, but halts that dialogue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it. It's sort of like, and this is a simple switch for me. It was, and I don't think I talked about this, but it is whenever I'm talking about how I feel, say I feel. Mm. xyz versus i am like so oftentimes you know i say i am sad i am angry and that to that is one of the most uh, someone once told me that the most important word ever is what you say after i am mm. whatever you put after i am shapes your entire identity so whenever I'm saying I am angry, I am then taking on and embodying that entire emotion and I become that versus like I feel anger. It allows me to have more of a, a wider perspective, I guess, of what the what is going on in that situation. And so that that was a simple, again, simple, not easy shift in my language of not letting my emotions completely rule me. Another area along with that is not is learning how to not be intimidated when somebody does tell you how they feel. It's just not it's not right or wrong how they feel. It's just how they feel. And we grew up being told, well, don't be mad or don't be sad. Don't cry or don't laugh or whatever we were told. And I'm bunching a lifetime of memories together there. But. Well, those, it was how we felt. So you, you, so you start pushing that stuff down. Maybe that goes back to the whole triggering. Some of that stuff comes back, and it creates these responses. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, trauma gets stored. It has to go somewhere. It has mm -hmm. to go somewhere in our body. So if we're constantly shoving that, you know, down, and you know, our cells have these memories. Something. It just takes one word. One. Mm -hmm. perfect opportunity for that to just bust out and explode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I never thought of it like that, actually. That's a good, yeah. good one, Dad. Yeah, so what are some examples of empowering and demeaning language? Maybe go with the demeaning first. How about this? That's just the way she is. Or that's just the way I am. That, yeah. I'm just, that's how I am. That's how I roll. Yeah, you're just being too sensitive or or you'll never change. He's been like that since I've known him. I've known him 40 years. Mm -hmm. He's going to be like that till he dies. You put that on people. 
Yeah. Now it's up to us to one not put it on people, and it's also up to us to not let that define us as well. If somebody does that to us, I just I remember like I was I'm I still am, but it's just being so sensitive and you know someone says some stupid comment, some mean remark, and it just stays with you. You know I, I yeah there. I have a handful of things that I just remember kids saying that just were, and it maybe wasn't even, maybe they weren't even trying to be mean. It just was off color. They were pointing out something on me that was different and it just stuck. What are some, some affirmative type of words and language that can be used? Hake and I for years now, she's really good at it is, is, is writing out daily affirmations mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to leave myself positive notes. I, I, you know, for years had the sign in my in my room that just said, I love you, Hillary, you know, from from me. Yeah. Um, but just again, it's what you say after I am is really important. Yes. The word of God through Hollywood, through our culture, who doesn't always look favorably upon God or or religion. He invites us into a relationship with him that is affirming. Mm -hmm. It's not judgmental. It's not uh, vindictive. Mm -hmm. He's not a hard taskmaster. I think an important principle for me in healing and um, creating a a landscape that is like, I guess, productive is is coming from a place of, of gratitude. Like seeing my healing journey as as an opportunity to experience life fully, you know? So then how does, how does choosing gratitude, how does the whole idea of choosing gratitude relate to the kind of language you use? So this, I got this from my improv teacher as well. She was, she was very, she's a very self-aware human and is also very conscious about the the words that she uses but she went through a period of time where just was super stressed financially and you know I have to pay this bill and I have to pay this and I have to do that and she started catching herself saying I have to and and instead would say I get to Mm. so I get to pay I have the money and I get to pay this bill yes I might not have as much as I'd like but I, I get to have this car. I get to do, you know, insert whatever. And that, again, that from, like, I took that on and started adopting that. And, and I actually don't know when the last time I was, I've, I've thought about that. But it, again, when you, when you see that you have, when you see how much you do have versus what you don't have, you know, when you're, when you're on more of an affirmative positive, optimistic language landscape versus looking at things from, you know, less than, or I don't have this or whatever. It, it just, to me, it goes, it, it creates this more colorful landscape. Yeah. I don't know. Does that answer your question about gratitude and how that relates to well, language? It's a, it's a shift in perspective. There's always a choice to make. Language and attitude tend to go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Which would be the point. Well, and, and I think it's also important to say too that it, 
what we're talking about doesn't mean that you always have to be peachy and and everything has to be rainbows and butterflies like we're gonna have bad attitudes some days i'm just off and i have to you know run that course you had talked in one of our conversations i don't think it was in an episode but we were talking about some training that you've had and you brought up the whole idea or the whole thought of emotional soundtracks how can emotion how can our language influence our mood and our perceptions well based on what you know i guess it's the language we use around the emotions we feel and we're going to have an emotion and then we're going to be able to explain that emotion maybe with with words but our our emotions so in in my in my training with heart math our emotions create a sound a soundtrack for all of us i mean it's just in the background we each have a soundtrack so if mm-hmm. if we're angry and we're pissed off at the world we're going to move through the world and it's going to be colored in that way right. and and so the words that we use i feel like mirror mirror that um so w- one visual we did in um in one of my trainings with heart math was um they showed uh a one minute clip of a cityscape just downtown buildings and they had the first clip had just like classical music playing and you watch that and it feels good and it's sweet and you feel peaceful well you watch the same exact clip again but they had different like screechy horrible music to it and it's again same same visual different mm-hmm. audio and our emotions that that's what it's like to be moving through as a human being like moving through this life is that our emotions color things Mm -hmm. so so i think where language relates to that is what what word words are we using to explain those emotions so in light of what you just said which is we create these or these emotional soundtracks are created by our language that influence our mood and our perceptions what are some ways of changing that soundtrack? You know, one one practice you and I both talk about, and we both do this, is we journal. Hmm. And I, I think when we can, you know, when we're just going off the cuff and mindlessly rattling off things, that's one thing. You can't really see it. You know, you're just hearing it. And for me, I'm, I'm visual. So when I journal and I see the words that I'm using, and I go back and reflect on some of the stuff that I've written about, it It gives me a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think journaling is really good in that way as is it, is it helps me to be more mindful of, okay, what, you know, look at this phrase and why did I, why did I say it like that? And, and again, coming at it, at it from a place of curiosity. Yeah. And another word you use a lot there is mindfulness. Well, then be mindful. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, we, we say that a lot because it's in our culture and mindfulness, we use it in business, we use it everywhere at church, whatever, school. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does mindfulness mean? It means pay attention. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to someone, pay attention to the words you're using. Yeah, I think that's, again, also having to be simple. I mean, you can't change your entire vocabulary overnight you know and that's also i think it's also important to say that 
changing your vocabulary isn't going to fix everything, <laughs> you know? Changing your attitude would probably do more about that. <laughs> Which then that would, if you change your attitude, then I think that you would start to see yeah. a shift in, in how you're speaking. What, what, else, what else? Is there anything else that you do that um, has helped just shifted your, your attitude or your language? Yes, and I'm gonna. I'll mention Darby by name here. When she gave me constructive criticism, I had a choice to make. I could have. It could have triggered me, and I got offended. She hurt my feelings. She did this. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Or I can go. You know what? I know that Darby cares about me. She's not trying to hurt me. I will listen to her feedback, and I will receive that feedback. I don't even have to agree with it, but I can listen to her because I know that she's got good intentions with that in this case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and she talks about that a lot. With, of, of you had the ability to pause, so I think that's right. that's a practice that we can all don't think. jump to your own defense. Just give it a second. Yeah, yeah. She she said um, she it's like metaphorically like sitting on your hands mm -hmm. like you just you don't let yourself you know just run wild you Takes you, practice. you pause um so that i did want to say this quote because i think it's awesome and it fits here but this is a quote by victor frankel mm -hmm. and it Man's says search for meaning mm -hmm, yeah and it says so between stimulus and response there is a space in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Yeah, and, and that's honestly a pretty good place to stop. Yeah. Because yeah. that just think just think about that. What does that mean to you? What is it I have to think about it? What does it mean? Mm -hmm. How does it resonate with us? Mm -hmm. What are some of the words we've been using? How does this have what kind of impact does this have on you? Dad, can you sum it up in three bullet points for yourself? We control much of what we respond and react to. It's about perspective and attitude. It doesn't necessarily change the signal coming in, but how we respond to it can change. We have mm. control over that. Mm. And let's see. This is simple, but it's not easy, and it takes practice. Mm-hmm. I need to be more mindful of what I say and how I say it. I think this conversation, I would say the same for me, is is I want to be, I want to just pay attention more mm -hmm. to what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. Um, not just what I say about what other people, but what am I saying about myself? Mm -hmm. So that, that would be one. And, and I think it also when I think of this whole concept of striking a chord and in music, it makes me think of like a symphony and, and, and that we're in this together, you know, mm -hmm. a, a symphony is, is not just one instrument. It's all of us. And so as we're healing and as we're going down this journey, um, the importance of connection and, and reaching out to people mm. and exploring life together, you know, Yes. So yeah, that would be. I think that would be it. Um, and yeah, we're always want to hear what y'all think. We again 
we say it every time, but we really mean it every time, is thanks for the feedback, the yeah. encouragement. It's encouraging to to realize that conversations are being had based on some of the stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. And and I would say too, let us know what you discover, you know, or if you have any phrases or shifts in words that you use that have mm-hmm. helped um, give you more clarity or more of a positive outlook on things. If you want to leave us any kind of comment about this, you can email us at powershiftcoaching at gmail.com or you can leave a comment or send a message on our TikTok yeah. or Instagram page. And yeah, we, again, we love you. Um, we hope y'all are having a good day and we are so grateful for you. Yes.